work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. I am Chris Rock. You are Will Smith. Oh, I like that. I like that position. <laughs> I thought you would be Will Smith and I'm so Jada. I... <laughs> are you no, defending to... me? <laughs> that, that would have been, yeah, it would have been too much. So I, I modulated that opening uh, yeah. joke very, very correctly. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> very intentionally. <laughs> Got it. Oh um, boy! Yeah. What? Okay. <laughs> that 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 did feel like the Oscars in terms of things going off the rails. Yeah. That, <laughs> Our opening we, just we then. We didn't we didn't script that well oh, enough. It's performative art. Yeah. I like it. Okay. But moving Unscripted. on. Uh, this is the podcast where I actually was listening the other day to this podcast and thinking. Oh, very nice. Really you don't have... usually do that. <laughs> I do listen. I just don't tell you. Okay. Um. I usually don't listen, listen to the intro. And I was thinking like, oh, I probably like I reintroduce the podcast. But every week, like you and your your pre-recorded intro are mm-hmm. introducing the podcast. So I hmm. feel like I need a different type of introduction because I don't need to say that I'm interviewing you to figure out what's going on in your brain. It's kind of like a already been said. Yeah. So our intro will be guest on host Oscars violence from <laughs> for the foreseeable future. <laughs> We're going to need oh. to workshop that one. Yeah, we have takes. A- anyhow, this is, uh, I'm Emily, Jim's wife. Uh, we're here in the seat again. I guess you, we took, you took a break. You took a week off. First ever non-Jim post-Sunday blues last week. Eric and Scott did a great job. Yeah. They said multiple times, there's no way Jim is listening to this, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, they should kept thinking like, what? Where's my voice? It was weird. I'm yeah. kidding. But they did a great job. Yeah. Um, and here we are now on mm-hmm. a regular week, still part of the Lenten series, still part of, still we're still in March. Yeah. Um, what's been going on? Thinking through specifically with this sermon, like what's the background of how you've been doing your extra week off? Right. Uh, what's been brewing yes. to, get, to get us to the sermon? Well, I will tell you more about it. If we're, in fact, in calling it Stormy Monday. So here we go. (laughs) Yes, it was a dark and stormy weekend in March of 2020 when we had planned at Liberty Church Collingswood a mini conference on Christian witness called Evangelism for Non-Evangelists. I really love the graphics pack for that. It was a Mad Men-esque old school photo of a fedora traveling salesman, black and white, mm. knocking on the door of, I think, a house husband and housewife or just somebody somebody at home and thinking, hey, that's, that's how we think about evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody really likes that. We don't like, <laughs> nobody likes having people knock on their door mm-hmm. <laughs> nowadays. I mean, I and, just saw the music man in on Broadway where Hugh Jackman is the traveling salesman and you know, like if he knocked on our door, <laughs> all bets are off in more ways than one. I understand that the the typical sermon, salesman. the sermon for this. So that was going to be a Friday night, 
to a Saturday morning conference, and it literally was the week when the world got shut down. It was that Mm -hmm. Wednesday, maybe Thursday night, when Rudy Gobert, the NBA player, Mm -hmm. got COVID. The NBA canceled all its games, and we totally scrambled to cancel everything. The NBA canceling, I think before that you were thinking, oh, we don't need, like, you're always reluctant to call for snow days or... Yeah. uh, Come on, what are we doing here? Right. The show must go on. People can walk in the snow. But, uh, so you're reluctant to call things off. Yes. But then when the NBA is canceling games, then it's a signpost. It's what happens when there are French people that play in the NBA. I'm kidding, but it, but but I'm not a Rudy Gobert fan. He happens to be from France. That's not the problem with him. But anyway, we had a Friday night, Saturday morning mini-conference on Christian Witness. And then also, I'm glad I went back and checked... I also had a Christian Witness-themed sermon for the following Sunday Hmm. of that weekend in March 2022, 2020, and it was a sermon from Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Oh, your brain was percolating this whole time. Yeah, this actually was an old sermon, and and apropos of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I had my final form notes for this sermon, but there was no audio because what happened that Sunday is we pre-recorded a service, sort of in emergency mode. I deviated and preached, I think, from Psalm 46, A Mighty Fortress is Our Mm -hmm. God. And so this sermon was just left on the cutting room floor. So you had written it and forgotten about it. Yes. And then went back to look to see, because you were looking at the, the... uh, the look, whatever, what is your topic? Practice, practice of right. presence, and missional you saw, engagement. Right, you saw this concept and you, yep. And then something percolated in your brain where like, I've written this before. I've, I've thought about these things before. Yeah, I, I just thought to myself, before I started, actually I chose Matthew 28 as a sermon text uh-huh. and I thought, hey, have I ever prepared a sermon on this before yeah and then went back into the archives saw that it was march 2020 and the decades before that right and 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 because because i didn't actually deliver the sermon i didn't have any sermon audio to fall back on so so you had to look at your i was in the position of deciphering from my notes Uh so well in you... some ways, this could be a completely new sermon because I couldn't figure <laughs> figure no, out a lot of a lot of my glyphs. That's yeah. That's an interesting. Um, that's an interesting background. That's uh, probably not a common occurrence. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pandemic. Actually, yeah. When as that happened, I guess your th- it makes you kind of reflective um, upon the two years and reflect. Like, do do you feel like this is a different sermon substantially or not really? Like, is it the are the bones the same? I, I anticipated that question. Oh, did you? And the, so great minds think alike, baby. I, I think the bones of the sermon are similar, but, but the context changed. Right. So continuing to think through Christian witness in post-COVID, post-Christian world more, it does feel like the gears of secularity have accelerated even over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so... The similarity from this sermon to two years ago would have been that it was an honest conversation about evangelism, and Christians witnessing to others is kind of always uncomfortable for Christians to do right, but I don't think it's getting any easier. So Mm -hmm. I was out of the Liberty Collingswood pulpit last weekend because I was taking this trip to Oklahoma City, and I was talking to a, a 
somebody on staff at Frontline Church, the church that we were connecting with, who's also a Young Life regional director. And I asked him, hey, what's going on with with Young Life? And Young Life, for those that don't know, it's a ministry, parachurch ministry to middle schoolers and high schoolers. Uh, evangelism is a key component. So a lot of fun stuff that Young Life does, they gather Christian teen Christians to tell their friends and neighbors about Jesus, come to these some, sometimes fun activities, sometimes Bible studies. And there's Young Life up here. Our, our kids are involved in Young Life as well. Right. The, this, the staffer said it's getting a lot harder because for decades now, Young Life, part of its DNA was come to Young Life stuff and invite a friend. And mm-hmm. so kind of born out of the mid-20th century Billy Graham evangelistic crusades, just a very much like invitational, attractional culture. Right. But he says what's changing is when we tell our, for example, 13, 14, 15-year-old students to invite their friends to come to a Young Life event, they're being asked by fellow 13, 14, and 50-year-olds to account for all of the hot-button cultural topics right. that intersect with Christianity that right. that are not necessarily Jesus crucified and resurrected. Mm-hmm. But there are so many negative stereotypes about Christianity that have some untruth, a lot of untruth to them. But then also there are, there are some ways in which Jesus doesn't overlap with everything in any culture. So the the shift is that kids, yeah, like early teenagers, are having to do a whole different set of cultural apologetics and have to answer for so much more than than they used to. And as a result... Young Life students are just saying, this is too hard for me to invite my friends right, to, right, right. to Young Life stuff because I'm still working out all of these issues sure. for myself. And all of a sudden, I'm put on the defensive. I think that's not only an issue for teens. Right. And within so many complicated contexts, how do we follow the call of Jesus saying, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations? And so wanted to still hold and be faithful to the Great Commission mm-hmm. with contextual awareness at the same time. So yeah. that was how the sermon construction evolved over the past couple of years. It's a pretty seismic shift, and but maybe not actually seismic. Like maybe actually we had those um, uh, inhibitions or um, tendencies towards not wanting to engage, and now they've just yeah. they've just uh, amped up. Yeah. Um, so so call it acceleration. That's sure, one of the words that I've heard used mm-hmm. about. Right. pandemic that I think works. Not not an originator of a lot of new stuff, but an accelerator of a lot of trends that were already there in right. a lot of different directions. So so both times this past uh, this past time as you were approaching this subject and then last to 2020, mm-hmm. you chose this passage. So yes. going on to Sun Studios and how the sermon gets made. Yes. Um, why did you choose this particular passage? It is the Great Commission. So it is arguably the most famous, the, the the Locus Classicus text on why Christians should tell others about Jesus. And whether two years ago or now, I, I, I almost didn't choose this text to pair with this topic because it's too obvious. You did the it, same so thing both times. My, yeah, <laughs> you went through the like, same come process. On, I'm a walking cliche. Oh, <laughs> you're doing a sermon on, on Christian it? witness. Yeah. What's he going to talk about? So yeah, I know. Busted. So, sometimes I don't Sometimes I can overcomplicate things. So, a great commission 
when at the very end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus is resurrected and he tells all of his disciples, the 11 still with him, minus Judas at the time, therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. And so this is the, this is the charter statement for the mission of the church, specifically vis-a-vis Christian witness. And what, what grabbed me, and I think this was the case two years ago, although a lot, it's been a while, two years ago feels a lot longer ago than it used to. The, what was new to me and piqued my interest to say, okay, this is a, this is a tired, well-worn passage, but worth going back to, was this whole thing of doubt. So I mentioned towards the beginning of the sermon, I think in the introduction, hey, this passage might be familiar to at least a few of us. It's a fairly famous passage as these things go, scripturally speaking. We've heard the go therefore make disciples of all nations. But when Matthew prefaces Jesus' words by saying, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Mm -hmm. That's what grabbed me and, right. and, and caught my eye, where Jesus is not giving this commission to super Christians, but mm -hmm. rather doubting Christians. Right. And so it, it, it gave me another avenue in to being able to, at least by analogy, find space within this passage itself for some of the doubt and discomfort that we may face when it comes to evangelism. So, so I was... I was intrigued to find even more or this is a great passage whether or not Matthew would have mentioned the doubt but but I was intrigued by that extra layer of nuance here mm -hmm. yeah that feels familiar and um in muddying the waters the sec the next section we're talking about that context that you're trying yeah. to engage and where we've talked about that a little bit already um what specifically do you think Christians are facing when the when like when doubting is the the part of the scripture that mm -hmm. is pulling you towards this passage, towards pre preaching this passage. Yeah. What, what does that look like for Christians today? Well, I, th sorry, did you want to ask something else about no. that? Okay. The, I go to the quote from St. Jerome from, from the early church, their doubt should help our faith. Uh -huh. So right. when, whether as it relates to Christian witness evangelism or otherwise followers of Jesus today, including myself, will have doubts about various things, uh, but that neither should disqualify us from taking up the cross of Jesus, nor make us think that we're automatically off team Jesus. So uh, wanting people not to be freaked out by the call to follow Jesus and, and practice witness. And in terms of positive construction of the sermon, um, as it relates to presence of the Lord, the first half of the sermon was what Jesus gives us. So it's not just therefore go, but we're receivers of great gifts and blessing from Jesus so that we can be equipped for the work of witness. And it was fun to talk about Jesus' authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then also his presence, the end of the passage, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And that that's actually... There probably aren't a ton of people at Liberty Collingswood that have read a theologian named John Frame. I don't know him if nope. that... If I've that, seen it on your shelves. Seen it on my shelves. So, <laughs> so, so one of the things that he's developed, he's somebody who's older now, an American Christian writer and thinker. He's talked about the lordship of our triune God as a triad of authority, presence, and sovereignty or control. And mm. when you think about God's lordship over all things, including us, 
you need to keep all of those three things together. And if you lose any one of them, what's the difference between one and three lordship and control or sovereignty? One is formal and one's material. <laughs> so, uh, God, God's authority over all things is formal. So by nature of who he is, God has authority both as king and as one that reveals truly in scripture about himself and in the world. But then as somebody who's sovereign and in control, God is materially involved in the world to orchestrate all things according to his purposes. Um, so, so I didn't mention the controller sovereignty piece specifically in this sermon, but I did. It was cool how both the authority and the presence piece from Frame's Lordship Triad appears in Matthew chapter 20. Mm -hmm. So if we struggle with the idea of Jesus as our authority, keep in mind that he's deeply present with us. Sure, right. And, and it, it, it turns on its head a lot of ideas that we might have about authority because we think power, control, domination. Right. That's not subjection. Particularly that... popular concepts right now. <laughs> Nor should they be, uh, but but yeah, it's 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 just a totally different world when you think about lordship in the in the context of the scriptures, and and then finally grace, the fact that Jesus doesn't whack the doubters. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to take a moment to pause and say this is this is the cross, Jesus dying and rising again. This is forgiveness in action, where where you have people on the podium. Jesus is giving the Oscar speech right here. <laughs> he's accepted the award, but he's being subpoenaed in real so time. Jesus is Chris Rock? The <laughs> Well, he's not Will Smith. We know that. The uh sorry, sorry Will. Well, this this will be a Will Smith free podcast for, for for this. I actually like Will Smith. It seems like he was having a having a rough day though. So, yeah, the the analogy that that may be more distracting than it's worth giving is that <laughs> Jesus, post-resurrection, is giving his victory speech in the Oscars, and he's being actively subtweeted on stage by, <laughs> by other people in the cast. Jesus is gracious and doesn't throw him off the team or throw him off the mountain. And that, that should also give us encouragement and comfort, whether related to Christian witness or, in a broader sense, Jesus gives grace when we, when, when we stumble. So... Mm -hmm wanted to make sure that I got to yeah, that no. in the sermon. So that's the under, that, that's the underlying. <laughs> Jim thought I went too quickly to muddy the waters. The real thing is I just don't understand that these topics, these, these conceptual boxes. Stick with it. You'll get there. So using that passage, how it applies to, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> We've been married too Get long. it together. <laughs> Muddy the waters. Next section. <laughs> so what makes it, what, what, what do you think that listeners are struggling with that, uh, that makes it, that makes like your, your articulation of this very well, um, like a topic that everyone already kind of understands at a basic level mm -hmm. like what what how do you construct it to specifically engage um people who are maybe i don't know just like it's just off the radar of things that people are thinking about i feel here's my take as we jump into muddying the waters the at the level of 
this this is nerdy at the level of biblical Wait, interpretation so the other stuff that you're saying was not nerdy <laughs> the john frame stuff where no, i still didn't understand that, how the three how authority and no that was cool and hip so, this is the nerdy part so at the level of biblical interpretation the cool kids call it hermeneutics too often as the western church has read the scriptures christian mission is not in active and engaged interpretive category as we go back to the Bible itself. So, and part, and a large part of that is starting, and we had a nice day in New York yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Got nothing on Philly, New York, but you're, you're, you're okay in, in your own right. So, so we spent time at, at the Met and they had New York a is large, overrated, by the way. The, uh, okay. <laughs> Howlin' Wolves let us know. Philly is, Philly is better. Okay. I, I've decided you, that. I like have loved New York for ages. For my, uh-huh. I mean, since oh, yeah. I was eighteen. Right. Uh, I've come around. I I like Philly better. Okay, I'll take that money and run. <laughs> so, the Met has a colossal head bust sculpture of Constantine, the the Roman emperor who converted to Christianity and therefore converted the Roman Empire to Christianity as well. So starting 1600 years ago, the West has been in a Christendom model where, until very recently at least, the church has expanded with culture. Mm -hmm. That's not happening anymore, but because so for a long time, the church just expanded as culture in general expanded, mission was off the radar because it wasn't something mm. that, that people actually had, had to do a whole lot because the church would just naturally grow. Mm-hmm. And so I think in a lot of Christian discipleship, Christian witness and missional engagement is not considered a normal part of the Christian life where we'll talk about reading our Bible, we'll talk about praying, we'll talk about doing community, we'll talk about worship, community, and mercy. Mm-hmm. But mission is sort of the 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 runt of the litter that that, hmm. that, that struggles for sucker discipleship wise in the <laughs> in the in the same way that, that that these other do so i think part of what we want to try to do at liberty Collingswood is build mission back into christian discipleship mm-hmm. and then secondly i think a lot of us are stuck where people who at least have been at liberty a little while are not shocked to hear that they should tell their friends and neighbors about Jesus. So we're not blowing people out of the water. It's not a controversial idea, but we're stuck because we just don't do it. And, and it's trying to motivate people to something where the call to tell others about Jesus has become depressing and guilt inducing white noise Mm -hmm. where it's like, yeah, I know I should, but we all know that I'm not actually going to do it. So, okay, I'll sit here and take my medicine, but it's not going to change anything. Right. So I think there is both a hermeneutic and then also an equipping dimension. And so whether it's this sermon or the conference that we're going to do in May, for those that, that want to take us up on the offer to be able to build some muscles and build a toolbox to have more confidence to to witness. So we're not just being a church where we're telling people to fish, but we're actually not giving them any fishing poles, tackle boxes, right. those cool boat hats to be able to, to actually go and fish, fish themselves. And then oh, I said, there's two things. That's going to be a third thing. Wanting to deconstruct secularism a little bit or just get people to realize if on one hand we have this idea that witness proselytism 
is wrong. Nobody should do it because we live in a pluralistic society. Yes and no. And more specifically, everyone proselytizes all the time. Sure. We're and... talking about, yeah, organic produce or right. um, or plastic-free living. All the, those things are things I'm trying to, yeah. to move towards, but it's right. easy to talk about those things. We are all the time trying to persuade other people as to what we believe are true. So mm-hmm. there's one level, not all levels, but at least one level in which followers of Jesus, we need to get out of our own heads and mm-hmm. understand that the hangups about Christian witness are largely not externally driven from barriers that are actually there, but they're internally driven, fear-based barriers where, yeah, it doesn't mean that when you talk to somebody about Jesus, the conversation's automatically going to go great, Mm -hmm. but this is, this is a, an era of contested beliefs about so many different things. So why not roll up our sleeves and try to get in there a little bit more? Right. Yeah. You highlighted the idea that if something is real or matters or is is super true like those are for why is it that those are the things that we're most likely to hide yeah so so i that, that was a little bit of an oversimplification there, there are historic antecedents to that idea especially in northern europe so mm-hmm. one of the books that i wrote over sabbatical was by a philosopher named charles taylor called a secular age Pretty early after the Reformation, it was early, say, the 1700s, there were dividing streams of Christendom, specifically in England, where you had some people that were pretty fired up about Jesus, but they became increasingly embarrassing to larger society. And Mm -hmm. so the whole, like, Victorian, which I guess was a century later or two, stiff upper lip, let's just go about our business. So, so, So there is a little bit of, and not only Northern European, English, cultures but but others too but that's one of the cultural streams that has been turned up to 11 now where um on one hand we proselytize all the time but then on the other hand we're like oh wait a second uh only talk about things that don't matter to you and if you talk about things that do matter it's making everybody else uncomfortable and we're freaking out yeah right um yeah that's it's just an interesting societal thing and then like as you're engaging and just making sure that um your sermons are addressing people from all stages of life like who what are you saying to people who are either skeptics or or christians who are struggling with this concept and thinking like i don't want to be in a a place where i have to be um converting other people or whatever yeah well in in that case i would invite them into the circa 1996 Dartmouth dorm room, South Mass Hall. Where, oh, that's right. You did not give me permission. Where you and I <laughs> you did, were. You didn't give. You didn't ask permission to share this publicly in sermon form like you usually do. <laughs> I will say that I did two years ago, and you just forgot. Oh, well, that's probably true. You can neither confirm nor yeah, deny yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, some, sometimes permission is all about plausible deniability. Uh-huh. So that, that's where we're landing on this one. The 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 whole thing when when you would push against me when i was exploring all of these like fluffy spiritualities and saying like but it's not changing you you're not doing anything it's just window dressing on an otherwise pretty egotistically very attractive but still egotistically driven life and 
And and you you rightly said that if something really matters, then it does push you, and you should tell other people about it. So, for for Christians that struggle with the concept, and for people that are exploring the faith, including, oh wait a second, Liberty Collingswood is quote unquote evangelical, which is incredibly loaded term. I, I right, you, I you're not yeah, skew yeah. that term because it's I mean, so many different things, so many different people. But wow, this is a church tradition where we're actually told people are actually told that they need to tell others about Jesus. I that's freaking me out a little bit. Just getting them to realize, well, if this really is important, even life and death stuff, it's good to share about such things. And the abnormality is instead if we wouldn't. Right. So there we go. Love you, baby. Fun conversations way back, way, way back in the day. And, and understanding, too, everybody has an authority. So I, towards that, towards the end of the sermon, I said, hey, don't be arrogant, but also don't be intimidated. Where mm-hmm. if Jesus is king and we're not, then like the pressure is off. Right. And, and we do, going back to a lordship as authority, presence, and control or sovereignty, God's in control and God's sovereign of all things. So often I can be paralyzed into inaction because I feel like I need to control every outcome. That's never my job as a human being. So let's tell other people about Jesus with with a sense of freedom. And then, yeah, towards the end of the sermon, M, this is the last thing I'll say here in answer of that question. I, I, I used another triad, good, true, true, and beautiful, to say that... Um, what? Why are you smiling? I, or I mean, I I uh, noted that as like a as a thing that you say to Clara without the without the good. Yes. <laughs> so it's a. It's just I. It was just. It's a sweet thing that you say to Clara often. I gotcha. Yes, she she is clear, so, true, and beautiful, just the, like her name, Clara. That and so the good, true, and beautiful is is a triad from from the ancient world, and the church on mission is actually all of these things. So there's a beauty of telling people that aren't like us about Jesus because that creates a church of people that aren't like us mm-hmm. either, and there is a ragamuffin beauty to that. And then last of the last, where's the ra- ragamuffin? Is that a term? That's a term from a. I I know there's like a book, right? What is the term from? Uh, I think is it it's, just a word. Yeah, I think it's just a word. Are, are you thinking of like Rich Mo- Rich Mullins and the Ragamuffin Gospel and that Isn't sort of thing, like is, the nineteen nineties Kentucky CCM uh-huh, uh-huh. artist? Yeah, I guess I should have known that. Okay, just, I thought that he was referencing another book, but yeah. Anyway, what is the like, the term Ragamuffin is not used to me in like regular context. It, it, it's a semi archaic word at this point, huh. but am you married to somebody that's boldly semi-archaic and well, that's the next name is, of your next podcast boldly so, so, so we're, we're successfully middle brow and boldly semi-archaic <laughs> that those are different aspects of your personality yes boldly and the, semi-archaic. The, the, the title of my memoir is descent into esotericism <laughs> Boldly yeah, but and, and if boldly semi-archaic feels like a contradiction, I, I want to get all the way there to archaic. archaic. <laughs> so the, 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 this is only a way station on, okay. on my journey of archaic self-discovery. Uh, on that note, 
one other thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, uh, your triad, you were, you're, you're the nature. And, and then also asking where hope comes from. Uh-huh. So in the context of a lot of things being deconstructed, and deconstruction is not always only a bad thing when it, when it comes to faith. I've, I've seen enough specific examples of deconstruction leading to deconversion mm-hmm. that I want to nuance those conversations and also have people be eyes wide open about them too. But yeah, that it's good to look at things and to take them apart and yeah. make sure that each each take them component, apart, put them back together. Yeah, but it's the right. It's, it's a scorched earth. Sure. Instead, but the flip side is that secularity can be deconstructed as well. So both the hardcore secular right and secular left have visions and promises of utopian futures mm-hmm. that I think are becoming not any more near, but but more far. Sure. So. Wanting people to just think through, hey, what what are you actually believing in, and is it delivering? Jesus has promised a world that he is bringing through the kingdom of God by the Holy Spirit from a place of being deeply messed up to made whole. Mm -hmm. I don't see the secular gospels being able to deliver on whatever they're trying to promise. So so, so wanting people to to see, hey, brand brand X might not be that good Mm -hmm. either. Right. Brand X meaning which brand? Uh, hardcore secular right or secular left. I see. That that's the, those are the what about, first and second walks in worldviews. What about this is the third authoritarianism? Way <laughs> is that the fourth way? <laughs> I I have thoughts about that, but okay, we'll hold off of them for oh, another, another time. Another podcast. Actually, um, that that's the sort of thing that would be in the next podcast we're trying to develop. So stay tuned. You're you're developing another podcast? Yeah. Let's do it. It'll be fun. <laughs> well, we got the title today, so. <laughs> um, moving on to bar band cover tunes, you've already addressed some of them. You talked about Jerome, St. Yep. Jerome. Um, made a Sixers joke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, th- it was a Sixers joke in such a way that I imagine that people don't know me well uh, would be I, thinking, I, like, is, is Jim he... a Sixers fan or a Sixers <laughs> enemy? But that's exactly the sweet spot for a Philadelphia fandom. I'm actually going to see with a friend tonight mm-hmm. Sixers Bucks. Right. Let's see how the, the real Farge, thing. So. Yeah. You're nervous. I'm very nervous. <laughs> nervous, hopeless, and pessimistic. Um, uh, St. Augustine, you you also talked about him earlier today, right? Yep. Saying um, that uh, don't don't make it. Don't just assume that it's it was easier for early Christians to mm-hmm, spread right. the gospel than than now. Uh, we have two billion people. Oh, it's an Elvis reference. Like four hundred thousand Elvis fans can't can't be wrong. Did did I make a joke about how you love Elvis during the sermon? You didn't. Oh, I should have. Uh, you so don't have permission to do that. <laughs> missed opportunity. Actually, you do. There. There's a squirrel like nesting right in front of us, and it's um, distracting me. <laughs> I, I, I'm more interested in the squirrel than Elvis, honestly. Elvis. <laughs> See, it's Jim's turn to take, uh, do the blank, the blank eyes. Um, you also, <laughs> you mentioned fantasy football and essential oils. That was your version of me saying organic food and plastic free right. living. Um, and did also did, did Leslie Newbegin, the yes. 20th century Episcopal bishop, right. missionary and Who writer, said was in the front cover notes. Yes, um, saying that. So he was speaking into a context where uh, the mainline Episcopal Church was saying maybe we should stop doing worldwide missions because of cultural paternalism, mm-hmm. which is a 
really complex discussion, sure. and sometimes missionaries have crossed the line into chauvinism and paternalism for sure. But Newbegin was pushing back on the impulse to throw out the baby with the bathwater, mm-hmm. and instead to say, "It's what 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 we're really losing our grip on is the fact that Jesus truly is King and Lord of all." Right. And and if you believe that Jesus is King and Lord of all then it's a no-brainer that you engage in mission. Sure. That it's false humility, that it's not... It's a false humility, yeah, it's exactly. it's not like, we're not just saying we're humble, and so then we're not going right. to speak about it. But yep. you're actually, you know. Um, and then right after you mentioned Tim Keller um, talking about... Um, how, how oh yeah, to how, yeah. I didn't have that in my notes. Uh, Ooh, it how, came out from nothing. How to well, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the, how to reach the West again. So uh, it, it's it's about a. F- I think it's a free ebook. Uh, I'd commend it to people. Mm-hmm. It's uh, only about fifty or sixty pages, less heavily footnoted. Than What's the name? I didn't catch that. How to reach the West again. Okay. So it's recent Keller reflecting on. It, basically, that, that pamphlet is Tim Keller's Represence Initiative. So he took a lot of ideas from Liberty Collingswood and then <laughs> turned them around and, and put them into a pamphlet, unsighted. Yeah, Jesse, at the very beginning, um, after you were, it was you or Eric mentioning the free book, mm-hmm. uh, she whispered to me that Dad really likes Tim Keller. <clears throat> I actually don't mention him that much. I think it might be just that the fact that that book is mentioned every right. week. Um, I think she wants to read it, by the way. I was like, oh, it's really we, good. We have copies. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a great book it for wouldn't her be the read. first time a 13 year old asked for that book. That's but right. For, actually, she's probably like, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> from far and wide, people request that book um, from Liberty Collingswood. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's a good guy. So, how though, how. The West, wait. <laughs> How the West was won. All Quiet on the Western Front <laughs> by by Tim Keller. <laughs> the Decline and Fall pastor. of the Redeemer Empire by Tim Keller. Uh, <laughs> I can keep going. Okay, let's stop. Uh, anything else? Did you quote anyone else? It, w- it felt like a heavy quote week. but It actually was not, okay. so that just means that you didn't like my quotes. <laughs> I want to know. I still want to know why we call it the church, bu- like the folder, the, the worship, worship folder? folder. It is not a folder because church, who church taught, bulletin who is too is too churchy. Bulletin is like the least churchy thing mm. that we do. We would be like, we would be half as big as a church I right feel now like if we used did, bulletin like, instead of worship I'd be folder. Explaining why how infant baptism works to to somebody who's like confused about like why you're baptizing an infant like that would be more helpful to me than calling a church bulletin a bulletin and not a folder it's not a folder you walk into staples and ask for folder it's not like a pamphlet if you want to be more accessible you call it the worship pamphlet (laughs) okay worship pamphlet we'll do that we're a church that wants to be accessible to Unchurch people. That's why the name of our church is a Latin word. That's why our that's why our info information card is called an info John. Why is it a worship folder? So, it is not a freaking folder. Boldly semi-archaic, baby. That's where we are. Keep that in mind. Guitar slow pickets. <laughs> All I had there. I'm, I'm gonna. Let me drive for a second here. Uh, drive my car. Uh, nominated for an Oscar. Did not win Best Picture last night. 
Two nights ago. Who won? Coda. Is that the, was that the, like, kids one? The kids show? No. no. Is it a documentary? No. Oh. The, <laughs> the only guitar slim picking I had was it was fun to talk about our college days together. Uh, reminiscing. Mm-hmm. Mr. Uh, firmly middle-aged dude. It's very true. <laughs> um, and gaining momentum. Josiah is the same age we were when we were having those discussions. <laughs> That's cray-cray. <laughs> um, yeah, let's move to Encores. Okay. You, has anyone given you any feedback? So besides... we have a couple of different oh, you have kind of cleanup from the, from the past couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. when Scott and Eric did the podcast last week, it, it was just, it escaped my mind to forward them some some recent emails one of them and this would have been fun for scott and eric to have done that on their podcast was from a person named scott greetings you and emily great (laughs) sermon and great podcast you missed the moment that would have been very epic when when you asked or when anyone asked to pick the three things so this was back this is back to the nephilim five things oh no i'm not answering (laughs) the nephilim here we go i always think of this oh he has a he gave a great Shrek movie reference and uh, says he likes both Doors number two and three when we think about how to how to go with the Nephilim. Because of Shrek. Because Shrek. I think for the somber nature of the psalm and its context, Door number two makes sense. However, when we look at progressive character of Divine Revelation, number three also works. Forced to choose between the two doors... I would say door three by a hair. I think there is an interesting discussion to be had regarding Sheol and Hades, Lazarus and the rich man and Hades being thrown into a fire. Oh, wait, no, that wasn't the Nephilim. That that was about, sorry, Scott, it, it was about how how from Psalm 88 we interpret Sheol, Hades mm. and, and the Christian afterlife. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had a different three doors for... Uh, for, for, so many doors. So many doors with 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 uh, with the Nephilim, and yeah. So Christian view of the afterlife, as we trace it through the scriptures, is a particularly rich and complex set of discussions. And Jesus' parable in Luke of Lazarus and the rich man has a lot of bearing on such discussions. So, Scott, thank you for that. We also have Yvonne from Psalm eighty-eight. Hi, Jim and Emily. I really enjoyed this week's sermon regarding gospel friendships and community and using it from the flip perspective of deep loneliness. That was the mm. hello darkness, my old friend. There were two other verses that came to mind when Jim was talking about how having friends with differing perspectives in our own is valuable and pointing out our blind spots. The first Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man another. The second is from Ecclesiastes 4.12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Having solid friendships with others who are not like us makes us and them more empathetic and compassionate, and we are stronger and more resilient for it. And then Avengers Assemble. The and 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 then of Avengers Assemble and and then Avon went back I think the week before to my sermon illustration, or maybe it was the same sermon, I forget, about <laughs> Brad. <laughs> My, my my friend Brad when I really missed him a lot and uh-huh. Brad brought that was out a previous sermon Brad, Yvonne like Brad connecting out, two sermons that's really high level idea Brad Brad brought out things in my friends that I was not able to bring out so when he was uh-huh. sick for an extended period of time I missed uh-huh. him an old C.S. Lewis quote 
In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By mm. myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Oh, that's a great one. True enough. Yep, 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 yep. And, and, and then finally, Scott and Eric, in their podcast last week, said, Jim, we want you to write in and tell us about this. And... I meant to follow up with Scott about what exactly I was supposed to do, and I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> you could have re-listened. Um, anyway, so I, I my Scott, my get back to me. Notes about notes on notes. Uh, you were talking about your upcoming Facebook Live. Yes, and this is. Why did you choose Facebook Live and not like? If you're really trying to be hip, like uh, I the streaming platforms, I don't even understand. Like. I don't know. What are people on? Hey, I, I just work here, baby. <laughs> it's above my pay grade to answer that question. Anyway, your Facebook Live coming up? Yes, that is a week from yesterday. That is 7.30 p.m. on our Facebook platform. It's going to be a discussion with Matt Harmon, my friend. Get thee behind me, Lenten, the liturgical calendar and its malcontents in the Protestant Reformation. The title's still going. And today. So it's going to be talking about why some of the people in our theological tradition in the 16th century actually really opposed Lent and said that the liturgical calendar is bogus. So it's a discussion where we'll say, what happened? And were, this a, were the free church people, would they, like, they wouldn't celebrate they are, Lent? They yeah. would never uh -huh. touch Lent. So, yeah. so, so here we are as a church within the Reformation Reform tradition leaning into Lent mm -hmm. and why were there good reasons to lean away from it then and good reasons to lean into it now? Mm -hmm. And to, to prime the pump in that direction, the thanks to everybody also listening to Five Golden Things every Friday morning dropping. I Somebody texted, and I'll, I'll put this in the podcast that drops this this Friday. Talk, uh, multiple people have said how awesome Roger Santavanias yeah. was reading, reading poetry. I, I texted somebody in response saying, the guy purrs poetry like a Rolls Royce. I really, I, you could listen, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. His voice reading poetry, Roger. <laughs> it, it was great. good, you know? It's good stuff. And so Five Golden Things for this Friday, I recorded a podcast with Matt Harmon, who's going to be the Facebook Live buddy, mm -hmm. Top Five Reasons Why Christians Should Pay Attention to Church History. So oh, no. Con con continuing <laughs> the... I know we have one of your listener and Emily right I couldn't there. vote for Clara's podcast over that. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Matt. It's, it's, no, I, I, yeah, okay. I'll still listen. Okay. We're going to give it a chance. It'll win you over. Um, I also wanted to comment, though, my first intro, the Facebook Live with you and Matt. Yeah. You told the people to keep it, the comments, PG. Yeah. And I totally heard that if you were being told that, that that would be a challenge to make it as close to PG-13 as possible without without actually being PG-13, mm. number one. And number two, that you would actually make it PG-13, like, try hard not to get to R. <laughs> All I'll say is that hearing you say that, Em, perhaps you're playing checkers and I'm playing chess. So you're asking for secret texts from me during your podcast of climb. You said it, I didn't. <laughs> so maybe you should get that. You should be on Facebook Live more often. That's what I'm hearing. I, I yeah. Uh, 
Is that all? <laughs> yes. And with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Why do you have butane on the shelves? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Why do you have butane on the shelves? Uh, it's for my cigars. Or, I mean, my uh, pipe. <laughs> Another thing. <case. laughs>